I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment, the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head. I could do my own internal, like, yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears. I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and a nourishing and healing postpartum. I offer holistic birth preparation and postpartum online courses worldwide for the conscious mama wanting to prepare emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually for her birth and for her postpartum. And if you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. If you had a natural and empowering birth experience that you would like to share with the world, then you can email me at anna_the_spiritual_midwife at gmail.com and maybe your story will be featured on the Natural Birth Podcast. Now let's dive into today's episode. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Lizzie. Lizzie is a mama of one from South Carolina, USA, and she's also a pregnancy counselor for an adoption agency. In today's episode, Lizzie will share about her empowering hospital birth story, how she started out from a place of fear and thinking that she'd never have a natural birth to understanding how this powerful rites of passage, that is birth, has been taken away from us as women, and realizing that we can all birth our babies naturally. Hi, Lizzie, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about your recent uh, labor and birth story. Uh, you birthed in the hospital and had a beautiful natural birth. Uh, this is your first baby and your baby's now 12 weeks old. Is that correct? Yes, he is. Beautiful. So that's quite recent, which is great, fresh in your mind. So with no further ado, do you want to share with us where you're from and a little bit about um, how you came to deciding wanting to have a natural birth? Sure. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina, and um, my husband and I became pregnant last June. I'm sorry, last August. And I began pregnancy with very little to no knowledge about birth and 
um, the process of labor and delivery, um, like so many around me and um, like the people that I grew up around, I just thought that as pain-free of a birth as possible was the best way to deliver. So I was planning on a fully medicated hospital birth, just wanted to get it over and done as quick as possible. Um, and that's how I actually chose my practice. I wanted the care that a midwife team would provide because I knew they would provide more time with me and I knew that they would um, provide that more holistic care, but I scoured their website and I made sure I can still get an epidural. So that's how I chose them. They work in tangent with the hospital. So I knew that I would be delivering at the large hospital here downtown and um, they were great. I really enjoyed uh, my time with the midwife team and I think that it was probably in my second trimester, my friend and I, my husband and I went to a friend's home and she was getting some maternity clothes for me. And along with the clothes, she slapped down a book in front of me and she just said, you need to read this. And she didn't say anything else. And it was Natural Childbirth, The Bradley Way. And I, I read it just because she gave it to me for no other reason. I was not interested in a natural birth, at all. <laughs> but I started reading it. Um, and I think from the first page, I was fully just engrossed. I was fascinated. I remember I cried throughout the book. Mm. I realized for the first time that birth could be not only normal, but beautiful. And it's possible for any woman under normal circumstances to do it without the assistance of a medical provider. It's, mm. it's really within our capability to give birth. And that was a brand new thought for me. I do not know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I think that um, that was the first point that I cried during the book was when, when the author said, um, any woman can do this. This, this is not, um, this shouldn't have been taken away from you, mm. basically. And that was really powerful for me. I didn't even see it as something that I had lost. Yeah. Um, so that book was powerful for me. And I, I began to devour other resources. I listened to um, Cynthia Gabriel's book, Natural Hospital Birth. I listened to that book twice. And that was incredibly helpful for me. And... I watched the documentary, The Business of Being Born. That was also helpful. And um, actually, my husband wasn't necessarily fully on board with me. He didn't mind either way, medicated, unmedicated, until he saw that documentary. Mm. And then he he completely um, <laughs> changed his perspective as well. And he said, I'm going to do everything I can to help you do this. Mm. Um, we will not enter that cycle of interventions Wow. It goosebumps when you tell this story. I love that. And what a great tip for mamas out there who have partners who might not watch. You know, I always tell my mamas, um, a part of the natural birth course, you know, make sure your partners watch the module all about labor and birth and, you know, really trust you, trust your body, trust birth. Um, And I also have a, you know, only for partners, a video for them as well to help them. But this is a great tip, actually, to to watch the business of being born together uh, for for the partner to really understand, especially if you are going into the hospital system, maybe less so if mm-hmm. you are not. But even so, yeah, especially in America. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and he also devoured resources with me. We took the evidence-based birth class together, learned all about the various interventions and that was helpful for us. But I think the most helpful thing for me was um, we're just preparing my body and my mind even more than reading the research. Hmm. Um, so our number one goal became um, towards the end of my pregnancy, it became to labor at home as long as we could. And I just kept telling him, don't let me go to the hospital too soon. Don't let me do it. Because if I do, I think I'll get anxious and that might stall my labor. And um, that was what I wanted to avoid at all costs was being on any kind of timetable for labor. Um, So that was really important for me. And I also told him, don't let me get an epidural once we get there. And I told him all kinds of things to say. I actually even made him a little, a little notebook full of things to tell me labor helps because I didn't want him to feel lost um, at at any point during labor. (laughs) That is such a great thing. (laughs) I think it helped me feel better more than anything because labor happened and we were both so ready. We didn't even need it, but I was glad to get my thoughts out and be able to express to him. This would be helpful for me um, Mm. ahead of time. Wow. Um, So like I said, I prepared my body. I drank a ton of raspberry leaf tea. I ate probably 60, 70 grams of dates a day and took walks constantly. I did active relaxation every day in bed, just trying Mm. to focus every muscle group, relaxing fully. Um, Used a lot of mental imagery, um, picturing the uterus, opening the the cervix door for the baby. And that was really helpful for me to envision ahead of time as well. Um, But towards the end of pregnancy, I was probably um, 36 weeks. I just became really anxious. I was so afraid that my plans would not, would not happen, that um, the birth wouldn't go as planned for whatever reason, because there's a certain amount, certain level at which you don't have control no matter how much you plan. Absolutely. And um, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I really was anxious. And I think that that was actually kind of a roadblock mentally for me, being anxious that something else would happen um, despite my preparation. And I came to the place where my, my faith in God and my love for my baby had to be more important to me than how birth happened. And um, I am a Christian and I, I was praying about it. And I just said, this, this is not in my control anymore. I I'm giving this up and however it happens is, is going to be okay. And from that point on, I was truly free to anticipate it with joy rather than dread. And I really wasn't anxious. I wasn't nervous for labor after that. I was pretty relaxed. I kept telling my family, um, please don't ask me about labor. Babies don't come on their due date. And I said that to them over and over. I mean, you know, babies rarely come on that date. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept saying 41 weeks, 41 weeks. And I actually went into labor on my due date. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. yeah. So I was as shocked as anybody about that. I don't, I'm not exactly sure you know, if that had to do with the fact that I was eating so many dates, so was so active, but anyway, it, it did happen on the date that I started labor. So that mm-hmm. was really interesting. 
Yes, they were one of those 4% of women who actually start their labor or have their babies on their due date. I really love what you said about, you know, whether or not you as a listener have any kind of faith, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be religious, you know, it can be that you just have, you just believe in something or you trust in something bigger than yourself. It really truly is a great tool or a great, you know, um, help because it's truly, as you say, we can't actually control the outcome of the labor and birth process. And so much in that process up until then, obviously we can do a lot like you did. You prepared in an amazing way, both what you ate and, you know, you took herbs that helped and all of these things and prepared your body, mind and soul. But at the end, we do need to trust and just hand over somehow our control, our need for control um, to life, to God, to the divine, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I love that you say that because it's truly a key thing that you have to do at the end. You have to let go of control. You can't control birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that that was really powerful for me, even in handling the waves when they started coming because I could welcome them. They, they are inside me, but also you can give yourself to them as something kind of outside you that you can handle. But um, when you try to stay in control and on top of them, um, I think that it's hard to relax and allow birth to be what it is. So on my due date evening, I went to a friend's house for dinner and just had a very normal evening. Um, I ended up having some indigestion after the meal. So I took a walk to try to relieve that. And so took a, a good walk with my husband, went to bed like usual and felt the usual Braxton Hicks that I had been feeling for several weeks or however you call them, practice contractions. Mm -hmm. um, and they were light, not painful at all at first, just like usual. But I noticed they seemed persistent and kept coming. So I thought maybe this is labor, but that would be really odd because this is my due date. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, so I didn't say anything to my husband I just, all I said was, I think I'm, I'm having a lot of Braxton Hicks. And he's like, oh, okay. And he went to sleep. <laughs> um, and they kept coming. I slept on and off until about 3 a.m. Um, that night. And around 3 a.m., it was just unmistakable. They were coming very regularly. I wasn't timing yet, but I knew this, this is more intense than it's ever been before. And this is more consistent. So I also really didn't want to disturb Nathan because I knew I'd really want his help when it became more intense. So I wanted him to sleep. So I debated, should I tell him? Should I not? I ended up nudging him and I said, I think I'm in labor. And <laughs> he was half asleep. He rolls over and he said, do you need anything? I said, no, just, just try to get back to sleep. And, and so he did immediately, like he was not concerned. <laughs> He, uh, that shows his confidence in me though, because he really was not anxious at all. <laughs> um, so I, I labored in bed for another hour, just tried to relax and sleep. And I drank a lot of water. Um, but about 4am, it was just, I could not, I couldn't lay down anymore. I felt like I couldn't, I jumped out of bed during one particularly bad wave. And I leaned on my elbows on the bed and I just had this moment where I thought, 
am I going to be able to do this? This is early labor and this is really hard. And I strengthened my resolve and decided, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go out on the couch and I'm going to start using the comfort measures I had talked about. And um, so I just went out on the couch by myself for the next couple hours and I did lay back down. Um, I did a side-lying position and I just focused on relaxing every muscle group. And I really focused on that mental image of the cervix is the door opening for the baby. And so every wave, that's what's happening. So trying to really welcome it and not fight it. Beautiful. And that was really helpful. About 6 a.m., I think I decided I'm going to wake up Nathan because I think that I could benefit from some, even just him getting me some water, some food or something. So I got him up. And, and he was really helpful to me, um, just get, got me anything I needed. I really just spent much of labor just on the couch, trying to relax. I didn't want to use up a lot of energy. So I just decided to conserve as much as I could. Um, let's see, I started timing then and at 6 30 AM, they were, um, less than four minutes apart. I think they were about a minute long. So I progressed a little bit quicker than I thought I would, but I still thought this is really early. We're still okay. I was eating between waves. I ate toast and fruit, just trying to keep my energy up. And then about, I think it was 8 a.m., they they were 80 seconds long and they were still... um, various time intervals, but they were, they were long. And that's from the beginning to the peak. That's not even the whole, the whole thing. So 80 seconds long. And I thought, well, I guess I'm making good progress. This seems pretty long. Our plan was to go to the hospital when they were 70 seconds long and three minutes apart. But we both thought we're doing okay. We'll just stay. We'll keep laboring here. Um, And Nathan was, again, so helpful to me. He made sure that he got breakfast for himself so he could help me. And then we just um, worked together on relaxing me. Um, He massaged me, told me to keep breathing. And um, I believe that it was late morning. I mean, probably 10 a.m., maybe around 10 a.m. I felt extremely nauseous and... I started sweating and I had, I felt like I had to be on my hands and knees through every wave. I could not lay down. And I thought, this can't be transition. This is too soon. I'm still in early labor, but this is really odd that I'm so nauseous. (laughs) Um, So I think looking back, that was transition. Mm. And shortly after I started feeling pressure and a need to push. Mm. And I thought, no, that can't be right. I need to stop and not push. So I tried to keep myself from pushing and I, which I don't even know why I thought that I just could not believe that labor was going so quickly. Um, so Nathan actually prepared the bathtub for me and I, I hopped in for probably about five minutes. I, it was not helpful to me, but I tried, tried to hop in the tub. <laughs> <laughs> and when they were um, consistently a minute and a half long and less than three minutes apart, I said, we really need to call the midwife. We really need to tell her what's up and mm-hmm. that I'm sort of feeling some pressure. 
So he called the midwife and she said, so where is Lizzie at? And Nathan said, well, she's kind of feeling the need to push. And the midwife said, come in right now. (laughs) Oh, goodness. We decided, well, maybe we waited a little long, but we'll still be okay. (laughs) Um, We called um, our ride that we had arranged for the hospital. My friend was going to pick us up so that Nathan wouldn't have to worry about parking the car or anything. And she was about 15 minutes away. So she came Mm -hmm. pretty soon, helped us gather our things. And by the time that she got here, I was struggling to, to move it all. I got myself dressed. I'm not sure how I did, but they, I was getting probably a 30 second break in between waves. There was no break whatsoever. It felt like, um, and I, I made it out to the car between waves. Once I got in the car, Nathan was not there to provide the hip squeezing that was helping me so much. Um, using that pressure on the sides of my hips during almost every wave at that point. Mm. But when I went down the steps, he was still gathering our things. And so with that wave, when I got into my friend's car, the pressure was so intense without any relief from him that I pushed to relieve it and my water broke. Oh, (laughs) what a beautiful present. (laughs) The life waters are flowing. Beautiful. Yes. It was a thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. I I was I couldn't believe it really, but I was also thankful because I had tested positive for GBS and I knew that the risk of infection was higher after my waters would break. So I was really glad that they didn't break until that point. Mm. Um, but we drove the 20 minutes to the hospital and that was the worst car ride. <laughs> Um, I just remember leaning forward. I was in the back seat, but leaning forward onto the back of the passenger seat and just trying to get all the AC coming at my face that I could. Um, But I was very coherent. I felt very focused. Um, I was even directing her onto which entrance to go in and where to go between waves. So I, I did feel very focused. All I wanted was to get up into the labor and delivery room so I could push because I knew that that would be relieving. I was still holding back from pushing, but the pressure was so great. In fact, in the car at one point, I, I wondered, am I crowning? This is a lot of pressure. So I reached down just to make sure, and I couldn't feel his head. So I knew that I was not going to have a car birth. Mm. Um, but um, Later, I found out that he was posterior. And so that may have been why... Um, I did have a little bit of extra time than I thought. Yeah. And I was thinking that too, when you kind of said how you had these really long uh, surges or contractions, but they were still kind of maybe four minutes apart, but you would have them very early on, as you said, for 90 Mm -hmm. seconds or whatever you said. And it sounds to me that that was a posterior baby because that kind of can be a sign that they're a bit more spread out the longer part, the contractions, mm-hmm. and they're long because they're trying to get your baby in the right position, trying to squeeze your baby around, push your baby around. So, yeah, oh. interesting that you were. I, did, I didn't know yeah. that part, but yeah, that makes sense. Mm. I had been doing all kinds of movement and exercises a couple weeks before birth because I knew that he there was a chance that he would be, and I was trying so hard to turn him, and nope, it didn't. He didn't turn. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
but but yeah so we arrived at the hospital probably about 12 30 p.m um so approximately 12 or 13 hours after my labor started and this is not my personality at all but when i arrived at the hospital and came into the lobby i announced to everybody i'm in labor i'm pushing great i love that that's brilliant Leslie. <laughs> Do you want a natural birth, mama? Then a natural birth course might be for you. Do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you, like many other women, realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way? Would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready body, mind and soul? Do you deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so? Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision-making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? Then the natural birth course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. was a help. It definitely helped me get ushered past all the COVID questions. I wasn't asked anything. They didn't take my temperature or anything. They just, they didn't want a baby born in the lobby. Exactly. They didn't, they didn't want to put you on a scale or do all these, you know, check-in things. Great. Perfect. Right. Love it. Exactly. They brought a wheelchair around and I, I crawled on it backwards because the pressure was so great. I didn't want to sit down and Everybody in the lobby, the lobby staff, they started laughing and it didn't make sense to me at the time, but I guess looking back, it is funny to see someone crawl in a wheelchair backwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we, run, we ran into the hospital so quickly that we didn't grab any of our bags. So my poor friend was out there just with all of our hospital bags. She had to wait around for us because we were in such a hurry. <laughs> um, so Nathan wheeled me up. He literally almost ran uh, over to the elevator. So we went up to the sixth floor and like you said, bypass triage, essentially. They wanted to put the monitor on me. They wanted to, um, you know, do their check-in, whatever their procedures are for check-in, but there was just no time. So they wheeled me over to labor and delivery. And this is my husband's favorite part of the story. I don't really remember it, but he said, there's a nurse that's running behind my bed (laughs) that's being wheeled. And she's got this little notebook and a pen and she's screaming, what's your social? (laughs) So they would know who I was. So I was able to give them my social security number. That's all they needed. (laughs) Um, But yeah, once I got there, I crawled onto the 
the labor and delivery bed, which was just a, just a full hospital bed. Um, the midwives there have their own rooms where they, um, where their patients deliver and there's a tub there, they're bigger. It's just more options for um, having a natural birth, but I didn't really need them. I was there for such a short time um, and I crawled on the bed backwards. So I was on my hands and knees leaning on the back of the bed and uh, the room was just a flurry with so many people and I didn't even care. I, I was facing the back of the bed, so I, I didn't know who was there. I didn't really care. I think that they were worried I was about to actually push him out. So they were preparing all of their staff. But after a few minutes, they realized she still has some time. There's a good bit of pushing that she needs to do. So the room quieted down and it actually became very peaceful for me. Um, I've never been so focused in my whole life. And the room was very quiet after a while. And Nathan's hand was on me. And the midwives were quietly providing encouragement. And it's the hardest work I've ever done. <laughs> Can you share um, with us a little bit how, what was going through your mind or how did you, how did you cope with the surges? What happened when you had a big surge? Because you had really big surges from the beginning till the end. So did you use breath? Did you use visualization? You said, you said, you know, you saw that door opening. Was there anything else that you mentally did or physically did to help you through naturally coping with these surges yeah absolutely like you said the the mental imagery was really really powerful for me um I also had chosen several thoughts ahead of time that I would allow myself to think and nothing else Mm. so I I didn't want to be distracted by even all of the helpful things I had poured into my brain I wanted to just have those few focused thoughts. And those were, this is powerful, but I can handle it. Um, My cervix is opening like a door to bring my baby into the world. And then I think maybe the most powerful one was I am the only one who can birth my child. Ooh, and (laughs) get goosebumps. I love that. That's so powerful. What statesman? That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that was my that was my why. I had to boil it down to why do I want a natural birth? There's so many reasons too. Yeah. But for me, I wanted to give my baby that gift of birthing him myself. And that was um, a huge help to me, especially during pushing, um, but all throughout labor. When I was pushing, I just thought, I'm the only one who can do this. The midwives are not going to pull him out. There's, there's nothing else assisting me um, except for my baby. Um, and so that thought was, was really powerful. Um, and like I said, my husband was really helpful with the hip squeezes. That was a physical pain relief. That was incredible. When, when he wasn't there, like I said, that was, it felt overwhelming when he wasn't able to be there to provide mm-hmm. that pressure. Wow. Yeah, that shows you how important um, the partner or the support person really can be and and when you find that thing that helps you I've heard so many women say that hip squeezes or the massage or the light touch or the whispering of words whatever it is that anchors and and assists you through you kind of cling on to that and then you yeah you really need 
that in a sense it becomes a part of your experience and you need it and when it disappears you go oh no because that was your anchor and obviously you also have those beautiful anchors of your statements that you just provided as well but yeah I understand especially having a posterior baby as well can really understand that Mm -hmm. also while pushing um I just pictured his head moving through um moving through the birth canal and just feeling it descend. And that was also really helpful for me. Um, it, <laughs> it is the strangest sensation when, when you crown and when you're feeling that pressure. Um, <laughs> but picturing it, it is his head. This is nothing else. <laughs> um, yes. was really helpful. Um, but I pushed for probably about 45 minutes um, with all of my strength. And again, I think that posterior position was, was why it was challenging during that part of labor. And I think that he definitely would have descended much more quickly. Um, I had also, I forgot to say this, but in preparation, I had done a massage to just prepare to, and hopefully not to tear. I used essential oils and for, I think three or four weeks, I did that every day for probably about five minutes a day. Mm. And that was truly helpful because when I felt him crown, I knew the sensation. I knew what that burning felt like because I had already done it um, to stretch. So that's the perineal massage you're talking about, right? Where you kind of stretch your opening of the vagina and do that with some good oils and... um, yeah, just it, it it really does. It really it does obviously stretch the tissue, which is great, but it also really helps just understanding the sensation. Obviously, it's more intense mm-hmm. when there's a baby crowning, but you kind of have an idea, and so you kind of click on, don't you? And it and you know what's happening. Exactly. Yeah, and I actually felt excited when I felt that because I knew this is familiar, and I know this is so close. He's he's almost here, um, and I. I really expected it not to last very long. So I didn't tear actually um, in my perineum. It, I tore a little bit higher, but not um, not due to, you know, not in the crowning um, area. And I think that's because of the massage. So I highly recommend that to anybody. Me too, 100%. <laughs> All yes. mamas should do that. If, you know, and definitely that it can assist in reducing tearing but especially because actually you feel more in control when you know the sensation that is happening and you and you get to know your area you get to know where your baby's birthing um you familiarize yourself with that burning sensation the stretching sensation and and to do it with love and awareness not to do it like oh I'm stretching and it's gonna hurt but more like okay Mm. so I'm taking time now to really relax into the sensation make it a meditation a ritual something that's beautiful and 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 love love the birth canal love your yoni your vagina you know she's amazing what she does (laughs) it's so true Mm. Uh, so Oh, like I was saying about feeling peaceful during the pushing phase, I I would say that was probably the best part of labor for me. Just that 45 minutes, even though it was in the hospital where um, it's often a stressful place, um, the midwives were so good at creating the atmosphere where I felt like I could just focus all my attention on my baby. And I could tell when 
I was holding back a little bit, trying to maybe protect myself. And when I fully gave myself to the push and that's when the progress was made. And I, there were several moments during pushing where I had to decide, even if my body breaks, I am going to give my whole body to this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to practice self-protection anymore. And um, also that letting go was, I think, when I made the most progress on even moving him down. Yes, so, and absolutely. It just helped me. And this also helps with actually, you know, in ones is reducing tearing because when you self-protect as you imagine, right, you tense. So you tense the muscles that need to open and your baby's going to come out anyways, whether or not you, you tense against it, right? Yes, mm-hmm. you can maybe slow progress a little bit, but at the end, baby will come out. And so if you're tensing at that point or you're pushing in a way that is kind of, in a sense, forced where you're pushing and you're contracting all your muscles, you're also contracting the birth canal, right? And so it's really mm-hmm. allowing that force to come through you to relax, which sounds really weird, but relax into the force of nature coming through you and allowing your body to open with that might that's coming through, which is really scary. But it's probably the best way both to progress and to reduce tearing is to just allow it to come through. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they were uh, helping me and just coaching me a little lightly through pushing at one point, they said, okay, let's try a different position. And I vaguely heard something about the baby's heart rate dropping And I appreciate that they didn't make a big deal out of that because I think I would have panicked a little bit more, Mm. but they were just using that handheld Doppler and they noticed that um, his heart rate was dropping. It seems um, decently normal. I don't Mm. think that that was anything out of ordinary, but um, so they just said, let's try a different position. And they said it very lightly, which Mm. um, was helpful for me not to panic or anything. So I laid down on my side. And um, they they asked me to try pushing that way, and his heart rate went right back up. Mm, so so that's that all I needed was a position. Yeah, position change. So that's the first thing that should happen if there is a drop in the heart rate, especially you know, not especially actually. If that happens, that's the first thing we do is just change the position because it might just be that the cord is a little bit. Um, uh, clamped in a sense somehow how the baby's lying somewhere in the, in your womb and as soon as you change position the baby rolls away from it or whatever happens you know inside and creates room and then all is well and um so that sounds perfectly beautiful that they did that and there is they release no need to panic you know that is the first thing we do and if it resolves which it usually does by that um we know that right so it's all good mm-hmm. I was really thankful that it, that it did. Um, but I also found it harder to push in that sideline position. And, um, I don't think that I could tell, but, and my husband agreed later on, he said, yeah, I couldn't see any progress made when you were laying down on your side. So that was only a few minutes. And they said, okay, let's go back to where you were. (laughs) It seemed to be working well for your body. And it's, it's just like, I knew, I knew that that hands and knees um, propped up against that the back of the inclined bed was perfect for me and um, 
I also tried picking up my left foot and setting that on the bed in more of kind of a runner's pose. And that really opened up my pelvis and Mm. that was um, much easier to push as well in that position. Um, And then I felt the burning after a bit and I knew that he was crowning and um, incredibly intense pressure. And then all of a sudden that pressure is released. Um, And I think there was only probably one more push and the rest of his body came out, but I didn't know it because I, I wasn't fully aware after his head came out, I didn't know exactly um, what his shoulders were, what the rest of his body was. And so I just wasn't really sure. Am I done? (laughs) But I, I heard the midwife say softly behind me, pick up your baby. And she had laid him down on the bed in between my legs. I picked him up and that was the most beautiful moment of my life. And I turned around and saw my husband's face, which was streaming with tears. And he said, you did it. It was just absolutely beautiful. That is such a beautiful moment. Um, after that, um, I don't really, I don't have much of a, um, a great story with the placenta or anything. It was very simple to give birth to the placenta. And they, they said you tore, but we wouldn't even call it a first degree tear. They called it a cosmetic tear, mm-hmm. um, much higher Um in the labia. So they just said, do you want to be stitched? And I said, sure, that's fine. (laughs) And so I cuddled my baby while they did that. And I didn't lose too much blood. So there were absolutely no complications at all. He latched immediately and he was a hungry little, little guy. What a beautiful story. What a, what an amazing first birth to have. But I also feel like you did so much in preparing for that to be as well, especially with your mind. It sounds like you really, you really could go there with your mind and you had your strong mental focus and your trust in yourself and the faith, the letting go, the surrender to the power of birth. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's so lovely. And after birth, I immediately after, I just felt overwhelming gratitude um, that, that God had given us the birth that we had planned for. And I, I also just felt gratitude for, for Nathan's help, gratitude that my baby had done so well. And I said out loud, it's kind of funny now, but I said out loud, I don't feel like I did that much. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful though. Like that, you know, that's, that's powerful that, you felt that way that, you know, obviously you did a lot, but um, to have that feeling of joy and gratitude and just feeling like I can do that again, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't describe the experience um, as, I don't know, as I expected to. Like I think back to it and I think that was truly exhilarating. That's the first word that comes to my mind is just that it was truly exhilarating and incredibly rewarding. Um, and it's just beautiful. And I'm grateful that I didn't, um, 
I'm just grateful that I had the education to not um, go into the hospital and just um, listen to the usual protocol for birth. Um, otherwise, I probably would have gone in much sooner and would have, um, you know, I would have gone in for the interventions because I, I, did, I truly didn't know at the beginning. But I'm grateful for the education. And mm. like you said, the, the power of the mind. Mm. It's everything in birth. It really is. Women in coma can give birth. You know, it tells you that, you know, our mind can really be in the way of that process. Our wombs, no, our bodies are designed for this. It's, it's our mind a lot of times that get in the way of that. And obviously our surroundings that causes disturbance to hormones and the mind and fear and that kind of cascade. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, though. I love your birth story. So if you had a first-time mama in front of you right now who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience, what advice and pearls of wisdom do you have for her? Um, I would say, number one, you absolutely can do this. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Um, Fear was a huge part of my perspective on birth before um, before all of this and so I would say don't be afraid you can do it and I'd also say just choose several thoughts to focus on don't worry about um, what worked for everybody else in the world because there are thousands and just endless helps for having a natural birth but focus on what thoughts will be helpful for you in your mind and I knew what would help be helpful for me and that was different than um you know, than any other mama. So, so those three thoughts that I mentioned earlier were truly my lifeline. Mm. And that's what I would say to another first time mama. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Lizzie, for coming on the Natural Birth Podcast and sharing your natural hospital birth story. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please share it. Grade it on iTunes and leave a comment. If you want to connect on social media, you can find me on Facebook as The Spiritual Midwife or on Instagram as The underscore Spiritual underscore Midwife. Thank you for listening.